I think especially with the pandemic, the fact that we've seen a lot more people working from home, uh, the challenges that have come with that, uh, with respect to engagement, I think have been massive. I think companies are still struggling with it. Um, I think as well with the great resignation or whatever they're calling it, it's a big evidence that people are really evaluating um, and looking at the value in the work they do. But if you just blindly follow what somebody else has done, I think you really run the risk of starting to appear uh, inauthentic. You're listening to the Non-Sub Talent Show, a podcast about recruitment, HR, life, and everything in between. Brought to you by international recruitment consultancy, Non-Sub Consulting. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Non-Stop Talent Show podcast. Today, we're talking about employee engagement, and I'm joined by two experts in the field. Firstly, Vishwas. He has nearly two decades of cross-industry HR experience. He's currently part of the HR leadership team at Tata Technologies, with responsibility for the function across Europe and North America. He also carries global responsibilities towards the digital journey of the HR function. We also have Jack Stevens, who is non-stop's Director of Business Processes, formerly Head of People Operations. He works with our talent acquisition, training and development, HR and legal teams to drive engagement and improve the employee experience. So guys, welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. Let's jump straight in then. Maybe the hardest question of all. Why, why should companies care about employee engagement? I'll give, Jack, give it a shot. Okay, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, uh, I would say, um, I guess it affects everything, really. Um, it, it can impact so many different things. I think the, the big um, challenge, really, initially, in a way, is defining engagement, uh, uh, I think. Um, and I think we'll talk about this, obviously, maybe a bit, a bit later. But um if we're talking about uh, people feeling more invested in where they work and caring about their job um, and feeling a part of the company, I think ultimately that's going to uh, impact their performance, you know, the company, you know, how long they're going to stay within the business. Um, so retention, um, obviously people that are more engaged and happier where they work, it's going to uh, increase how attractive that company is for other people to join. Um, and ultimately, you know, thinking about the employee themselves, their well-being, I guess, um, and how happy they are in their job. So, yeah, I, I guess it's a bit of a catch-all question, but I think um, people should definitely care about it just because it influences so much about our working lives, really, including the company and its uh, employees. Excellent. Vishwas, anything to add on that? Did he, did he miss anything? No, I think, uh, uh, firstly, I think, uh, you know, until the, the machines take over, I don't think any company has a choice. <laughs> That's the first part, right? Uh, irrespective of what uh, business you're in, whether your business is people intensive or not, uh, the reality is the output of any business comes from the people that they have. Uh, and until you can quantify what that means, uh, I think Jack talked about it, right? Uh, defining engagement to begin with. But until you're able to do that, you're able to measure it and then talk about uh, what are the business outcomes that you've got out of investing in engagement? I don't think companies have a choice. Uh, it, it will vary, obviously, depending on what industry, what environment you're going through. Uh, but I think just fundamentally talking about how do you get the best out of your people uh, is, is going to be a fundamental question that I don't think is going away anytime soon. Okay, following on from that, how are you guys uh, measuring employee engagement? Um, yeah, uh, so yeah, again, like Vishwas just said, really, uh, thinking about what it is first is kind of the, the first battle. And I think um, it's, it's become a bit of a, 
not, maybe not, not a buzzword, but it's become a term that has got a lot of interpretations, I think, engagement um, recently. And I think um, the likes of some companies like um, uh, Google and companies like that that have got a good rep for engagement, I think it automatically conjures up kind of images of people cycling around the office, and, like beanbags in the corners and stuff like that. And I think it's kind of hard almost to get away from that image of, you know, if you've got some uh, pool tables in the office, then that's kind of like engagement or something like that, something like that. So uh, I think, um, yeah, the first battle is to think about what it is. I think, like I mentioned earlier, the way I've tried to think about it or like from, you know, obviously stuff I've read and listening to obviously people like Bishwas as well, probably is uh, thinking about it as uh, how, you know, like I said, how invested people are in the business, how much they care about their job. Um, that interaction with the company is kind of a two way interaction in terms of communication. Um, and then thought about, well, how would we measure whether people are feeling more or less that way about their company? Um, and because I come from a bit of a training background, I kind of thought about it as a, from a slightly training perspective. There's this kind of the Kirkpatrick model for assessing, evaluating training. And I think you kind of think about it slightly in the same way uh, for engagement as in, you know, the end result is like performance. So, you know, how the person's acting within the business and the end result, but also just what they're saying and communicating. So again, maybe it sounds obvious, but one of the big things we did is actually just start asking people, um, so, you know, surveying them and bringing out that communication a bit more, which provided some kind of interesting results. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the way I looked at it really. And what about you, Vishwas? How are you guys measuring it? Yeah. So at, uh, Tata technologies, actually in the last five years, we've gone through the entire journey. So we, we used to have the very traditional, once a year, once in two years, get a consultant in to measure your engagement model. We followed that for a long time. Uh, and then we got to the point where we started feeling that that was one too slow because a year, you know, once in a year, once in two years doesn't help. And the second is what it does is it just, it leaves you with this mass of actions that you don't know what to do with. So as a company, you know, I think epiphany sort of hit us when we ended up a year where Post the survey, I think we had about 1,200 actions across the company. And obviously, you can't track 1,200 actions. So we sort of went from there to, can we actually take time off, right? Uh, and we went for about, I think, three years, close to three, three and a half years with no formal engagement of, uh, formal measurement of employee engagement at all. Uh, we just followed informal, you know, proxy metrics here and there. Um, we we were using internal collaboration tools and we were using metrics from that about how active people were on the platforms, how often were they posting things, how often were they sharing ed, uh, ideas. We used those for a period of time. Uh, and then once that settled down, uh, actually in the last 12 months, we've gone on the journey of measuring employee engagement on a much more frequent basis. Um, and we've actually tied up with an external platform, which actually brings in uh, uh, AI into the mix, which I guess with most HR things that sort of comes with the part and parcel with anything that you get nowadays. But it's a tool that's allowing us to touch base with employees on a much more regular basis. Uh, there are very clearly defined events in an employee's life, which uh, typically have a significant impact on their engagement. So the measurement happens at that point of time. So rather than talking to you every six months, which the tool does. It actually talks to you also when uh, you have a change of manager, when you've changed locations, you've changed projects, um, immediately after your uh, appraisal, those kind of things. So it's identified those. Uh, and that actually is giving us a much deeper insight into what's happening with people, what they are thinking. Uh, the tools are getting more and more intelligent now, so they give you a lot more data. Uh, so that's essentially the journey we've gone through. So that's the, I would say, the system side of it. 
But the second side, as Jack mentioned, is at the end of the day, you have to complement that with human intelligence on the ground, conversations with employees. You have to have, you know, uh, uh, either focus group discussions, one-on-one conversations, open houses, whatever channel you choose to use. But you need to have your own direct communication channels that help you either validate or counter sometimes what the systems are telling you. Uh, Because I think there are always instances where that is going to happen. Uh, you know, on a on a platform kind of setup, um, there is a slight change in behavior when people respond because it is a system you're talking to. It's not a person. How much ever you may try and humanize the system, uh, and it's very different when they're talking some uh, you know face to face with someone. Uh, so we try and make sure that we balance both. We take the structured inputs, but we make sure that we've got some uh, people interactions that give us uh, additional insights into that. It's interesting, actually, because actually Jack and I and, and some other people were talking about this kind of concept earlier in the week. If you, you have these surveys, you have this AI and stuff, you don't necessarily have that opportunity to probe on people's answers, right? Like people could give you a, a very short answer, which could be mm. open to misinterpretation and stuff. So mm. I think you're right. I think you're always going to need that human element. And how did you how did you guys find the balance between the two? Um we're working through it first of all i don't think we've we've achieved the balance i think what we've done is we've actually used the tool to point us in the right direction so what the tool tends to do is bases responses from people it either um, gives you hotspots so pools of people either in a particular project or a particular country or whatever where the engagement is a challenge to the extent that the more evolved tools will actually take it down to the individual bases a particular individual's response, this person might be a flight risk or they've got certain challenges. So what that has allowed us to do is the HR business partners can actually then go have that one-on-one conversation. Uh, and then we, we we consolidate back. One of the things we've been careful about is not going down the rabbit hole of you now got insight into every single individual, try and go solve their problem, which in a large organization you really can't do. Uh, you have yes, you talk to them one on one, but you eventually do consolidate the feedback again to see what are the largest scale changes you can make. Uh, there will always be instances where a particular individual has a challenge that needs to be fixed. Of course, that's you know, that's what HR does. But leaving that aside, you try and again build a larger picture. You know, the feedback is talking about something to do on the um, uh, learning and development space. It's sometimes it's you know in the current context. Uh, with attrition, what it is in most companies, uh, a lot of it is about money and about salaries and benefits. So you try and sort of build that picture up again uh, and try and take action that affects more people. Uh, because the the one thing I think you always need to be careful about when it comes to understanding what people are going through, some are outspoken and some are not. So the yeah. risk of reacting only to those that talk about it uh, is that you're going to essentially end up with a different set of people who are probably even more switched off than they were before. Uh, or maybe they were expecting the company to do something and you've not because you've only focused on individuals. So you have to actually find that balance as well. That's a really interesting point, actually. I, not something that I would have thought of. How do you how do you find or how do you differentiate between those two groups? Uh, I wouldn't say you differentiate. I think what you should do is look at the feedback that you're getting, which is giving you actions. At the end of the day, you have to take that as being representative of a larger group. Um, and of course, you, you still you know make sure that there is enough of that feedback coming through for it to be considered representative. You don't want anecdotal one-off cases, but when you start seeing a buildup, you can or you should extrapolate that to be, you know, include people who maybe aren't talking enough about it. 
Uh, and I think at the end of the day, if you're taking positive action, you shouldn't worry too much about whether it's you know statistically representative or not, because end of the day, it is going to support all the employees. So if you're taking the right actions, so long as your trigger is coming from the right uh, perspective, I think you should be satisfied to go with that. You don't have to worry about you know, have I got the exact right bit of uh, validation that uh, should be a magical trigger of some sort? I don't think such a thing exists. Uh, there will, depending on topic, um, there will always be certain people who are more outspoken than others. Uh, use them as your directional indicator and go with that. Yeah, I think um, yeah, there's a lot of really interesting some of those points actually because we were kind of we had that challenge recently about like you said when to measure it. Um, we've been kind of doing like I say a slightly standard approach of like you know the quarterly. Uh, survey reviews and I think it's been a bit of a challenge for us because we're a smaller business to get a reasonable data set we've actually only really been able to do proper analysis after a year's worth to actually get like mm. you know, 200 responses to do even some like factor analysis or reliability tests on even the surveys we're delivering um, but uh, it, we've actually recently faced that challenge recently that um, we even paused uh, doing the survey this quarter because we actually got some feedback from employees that they were getting a bit like okay another quarterly survey about how we're feeling about things and yeah. it's like you said it, it's a bit of a challenge as a, in, in sort of an HR function to keep it fresh in a way isn't it and keep it interesting because we don't want to kind of then become almost it's anti-engagement people having to fill out yes. this <laughs> survey really so some of the stuff you mentioned would be quite interesting I thought about before actually about getting it just in time at these moments might be quite interesting. So I, I, what I'm hearing kind of, Jack, is maybe potentially um, less focus on, on engagement could be improving engagement in, in a way. Um, and for both of you guys, what do you think or what are some of the tools or um, things that you guys have done that you think has improved engagement? Well, um, well, like I said, just, we've only recently done the... Um, uh, big uh, sort of analysis of our survey on it, um, I guess, over the last year. Uh, we've been obviously, what, what we were doing is publishing the results each quarter of what people were telling us, you know, that they liked. And then afterwards, um, sort of say what we're doing as a business to kind of address those issues. So it wasn't as much individual um, uh, feedback. It was more like collective. Um, the individual stuff, because again, we're quite a small business. We kind of picked up from managers or um, in private one-to-ones and things like that. Um, but from the analysis, it was actually quite interesting because... There was a bit of a surprise actually that there were two um, questions that loaded together really closely and one was um, I see myself working here for the next year so you could kind of measure that as um, retention in some way and the other one that measured or correlated most closely with it was I believe in what the company's vision and goals and that is quite surprising it sounds really obvious but it's surprising because in the survey it has loads of other things like training career progression rewards all this other stuff and out of all the stuff we offer as a company that was the thing that people tended to answer the same for both questions. And I thought that really stood out because, you know, it wasn't the money, it wasn't whatever. It was just they actually believe in what we're doing and what we're trying to do is a match of how long they want to stay here. Um, uh, so one, that was a bit of an interesting insight and it did inform a little bit of, um, or did almost help us reflect on some of the stuff we'd done. So when I first came into the role, one of the things I was aware of from um, obviously my own experience and um, feedback internally was, we hadn't really defined what we were about as a business. I think people kind of vaguely knew. Uh, we've got a bit of a motto like develop, grow, succeed at the company, but we hadn't really defined what that meant really. Um, and we didn't actually even have, I would say like a definitive mission statement, for example. And again, I know that's not going to solve everyone's problems with engagement, but it's a starting point, if you know what I mean, for internal branding about, okay, well, what are we all here at work to do actually at the end of the day? 
uh, is there anything more to it? Um, so yeah, well, that was one of the first things we did, even um, focusing on our internal employee branding, like what our mission values were, you know, um, even publishing the business plan at the end of the year so everyone could see it, so they could see what, what we're trying to do. Um, and the best tool, I guess, we came up with was um, implementing a kind of employee engagement portal, which is kind of like an internal company Facebook, um, because we could have used our internal intranet, but it was very like work related, all about, you know, a notice about, you know, I don't know, <laughs> there's gonna be a fire alarm next Friday or something like that. And we wanted to make something that uh, was a bit more fun and, and interesting. And again, had the interaction element. Um, so um, that, that, that seemed to be quite a good place uh, to put a lot of this stuff. And so we ended up um, focusing on, like I said, the internal branding aspect on there, as well as getting like a learning management system in there. So the learning was linked to it, published all the career paths and um, reward structures in there as well. And that transparency, I think, helped engagement a lot as well, because it helped people understand what, who we were as a business and what we were about. And I think that was half the battle. But we, because we weren't really doing a lot before it, that for us was like a massive milestone in itself, even doing the surveys, I think. So when we've seen a lot of impact from that. What about on your side, Bishwash? You've got a, a much larger company mm -hmm. to, to manage with engagement wise. What have you seen working best in improving employee engagement? I think the, the, the one thing I would definitely uh, reiterate from what Jack said was closing the loop with the employees. So we've, we've pretty much done the, uh, I think a similar thing where uh, every quarter we're going back to the employees to say this is, you know, one is a snapshot of the engagement survey. So, you know, sort of scores and stuff like that. But more importantly, we are using that to close the loop and say, this is what you told us. These are the actions that we've taken in the last quarter. These are the actions we're going to be taking next quarter. So I, I because I think with any feedback mechanism, and I think we can, we can always cross-reference it to, you know, feedback when we share about uh, a restaurant on, on Yelp or Google or whatever, right? You want action to be taken out of it. So the, the fatigue sets in when all you're doing is asking them for feedback, but you're not telling them what you're doing. So, so I think if you can keep closing the loop, one is you keep the interest life. I think that's one key part of making sure that the employees feel hooked on to the process. Um, as far as actions are concerned, I think one of the things we uh, tried to do fairly early on was try and separate which actions were org level. So they could be around learning and development programs, compensation, uh, growth paths, et cetera. So these were very corporate driven. You know, you would need to make a company level plan and then deploy. And that typically would take longer, but you know, at least we articulated that very clearly upfront. The second thing was we, uh, what we saw in the scores also was the highest scores typically were in areas about uh, the relationship between employee and manager, the relationship between the employee and their immediate team, not the larger company. Those were the highest scores for us. So we looked at, okay, how can we reinforce that more? How do we make sure that there is a consistency of how a manager supports their employees? So one of the things that we, we've done, and this is still, I would say, fairly recent with trying to sort of build on it even more, is we've actually articulated a manager's charter. So there are six expectations that we have with every single manager when it comes to people management and what the manager would be expected to do in each of those areas. So right from hiring employees to, you know, what is your expect, what is the company's expectation from the manager in that entire process? And that it's as simple as defining what you would want them to do during an interview, what you would expect once somebody selected before they join the company, the kind of connect, uh, right up till recognizing your team members, supporting them and their well-being, all of that. So we've got six different aspects 
that we've articulated with as much detail that we think is practical. Uh, and then working with all the managers in the system to say, can we start having this common behavior? We've seen these work for the smaller teams where the engagement levels are really high. Let's try and replicate. Uh, that's one. The second is, while I think there's a lot of content out there, if you look at you know LinkedIn Learning or, or even YouTube for that matter, you get a lot of three, four minute videos on ideas about how to make things work. Uh, you know, from different companies, people talk about things. One of the things we wanted to do very consciously was leverage some of the learning, but not the videos. Because I think for a lot of people, it's very easy to justify inaction by saying, well, that was done in Google, we're not Google. Or that was done in Apple or Facebook or whatever, we're not that company. So we've actually tried to use our own managers. We're trying to get stories out of high engagement managers within our business and put that out to the rest of the company. So that that uh, excuse sort of goes out the window. It's your company. They've done it in exactly the same environment you operate in. If they can do it, don't you think you should try? And that sort of, again, uh, you know, it's early days, uh, but we, we are beginning to see the early signs of resistance sort of, I don't want to say melting away, but it's reducing over a period of time. Uh, so I think that's key as well. How do you position a set of actions out of what the uh, surveys or the listening tools are telling you, but presenting it to people in a manner that they can implement it reasonably quickly without thinking too much about, do I need to contextualize it or not? Uh, I think that for us uh, uh, has started working. As I said, it's early days, but it's definitely started working. I, I really love that idea of um, going to those high engagement managers and telling their stories throughout the business. I think that's really that's really key because these personal stories and uh, see the, seeing the tangible proof that it's working is the perfect selling point, really, isn't it, for everyone else? No, I, I love that. Are you are you already seeing some benefits of increased engagement, either of you guys? I think in in our context, uh, the two things that we are seeing clearly is. Uh, one is on customer satisfaction. So we are a services company. All of our work is projects for customers. And I think at the end of the day, if your customer satisfaction improves, that's probably the the, the most clearest, most tangible output that you can actually show. Uh, that's one. The second is as a company, one of our core values is one team with customer, which is primarily built around customer intimacy and the level of confidence the customer has in the fact that you're batting for them, uh, even though you're a different company. Uh, you know. Uh, and that, again, is an aspect that uh, it gets called out by customers in testimonials again and again for us. Uh, so I think that for us is a, a really good measure of whether the engagement is delivering in results. Uh, I think in the HR context, and uh, Jack will know this in the in the training context, everyone wants to run after ROI. And when you say ROI, everyone wants to tag it to revenue. But I think the risk with that is there are too many other things that can impact revenue. You know, we're going through a crazy amount of growth right now as a company. Would I say all of that is down to engagement? You know, as HR, I'd love to tag it to that and say that's what's happening, but I know that's not the case. Uh, there's a lot of market factors, et cetera, that come in. Uh, but I think when you talk about things that are more tangible around customer satisfaction, customer feedback about our people, that I think is a truer sense of whether the engagement is actually resulting in something or not. It's really great to hear, actually. Um, and I think you know if you compare these kind of conversations maybe to ones had 30 years ago, it's great to hear, like say, our businesses are adapting to almost like a, a value-led approach for employees, if you know what I mean, rather than, you know, what can we get out of this? Uh, obviously, let's face it, all companies do want to perform and they want profit, et cetera, but coming at it from the angle of, well, how can we actually make it better for our either our customers or the people that are working for us? And then thinking 
well, ho- hopefully the end result will be profit, but it's definitely a much healthier way of looking at it. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think for us, it's been, uh, again, like I say, tough to put some kind of tangible uh, measure on it. I mean, the survey results have improved since we started doing them like a year ago. Um, but like you said, I, I think actually the, the ideas of using user stories or whatever, or manager stories is great because it, you know, seeing the number go from point one to point whatever is not quite as attractive or kind of compelling as actually hearing someone saying, oh, it's gone a lot better here because of this or something like that. So um, uh, we've definitely noticed um, more of a, a better atmosphere since a lot of the things we've been doing. And even if you just look at the history of the this engagement portal sort of Facebook thing we did, when we started it, we were it was a month in and we were looking at it and it was kind of blank because no one was really posting anything on it. And we're like, God, we, we just thought, again, a bit naively, oh, we'll just make it and then people will be jumping all over it and uh, posting stuff and it was just empty. But if you look at it a year hence and it's kind of buzzing, people are messaging each other, doing groups and different stuff. And again, that's just a little bit of a measure of, I think people feeling a bit more of a part of the company um, and definitely having to battle that all the way through um, obviously COVID with people being at home or being in the office was obviously quite disruptive. Um, but yeah, I think we've definitely seen um, some improvements, not only in obviously the performance of people, but just in the atmosphere within the office and um, some of the you know, things we've heard from people. I think with some with some of the actions that you talked about, Jack, I think it's it's as HR, you want to be really careful about some of these not becoming gimmicky because because it, it, you know you it's especially if it's pushed by HR. So as you said, you know if you you make the the page or the portal and then you're almost pushing people to post something and do something as opposed to a point where it's actually taken on its own life. it's it's sort of you know developing itself. people are being active. That's in my mind, that is where you start getting that confidence that what you're doing was right to begin with. Uh, I think there is a tendency, and again, I think with with social media nowadays, it becomes it's it's really difficult to distance yourself from some of these because you see those pictures of you know the the outbound uh, offsite activities happening and people going for parties to a beach or whatever it is and you think that i need to do that because that is engagement and i think you need to really try and find out whether it, that would work for your company i'm not suggesting those are right or wrong i think depending on the culture of your organization there would be cases where maybe that's the best way to get it done but you need to make sure that it works for your company. If you just try a cookie cutter, somebody else did it, let me try it. Uh, I see usually that, and, and it's 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 very easy to go down that road because especially when you hire people from different companies, people will come and say, well, this is what we did in our company. Shouldn't you try it? Yeah. And it's good to get it as an input of ideas. But if you just blindly follow what somebody else has done, I think you really run the risk of starting to appear uh, inauthentic. Yeah. <laughs> really. No, definitely. And that I think is is one thing that companies need to be really careful about. Yeah, I, absolutely. Because, like you said, particularly if you're doing, let's say, surveys of um, just what employee employees want, or even what your potential candidates want, you're going to get obviously like a wish list, and you can't be everything to all people. You know, you can't literally do everything, and you have to focus on what's your differentiation between yourself and your competitors. You know, what can what can we do well that, like you say, maybe a larger company or a small other startup couldn't do, and like you say, maybe we can't do everything on the big list um, but like you say if we can focus on what we do well or like you say and particularly with engagement then like you say you can differentiate yourself and be a draw in a different way and i think you're right there's actually some you know stories about some of these companies i don't know if you read or seen those documentaries about we work or for example but it's like you know they had like a almost every gimmick under the sun about all the different stuff and parties and things like that and it's like you're saying i think you can almost 
use engagement in a kind of slightly cynical way, really, of trying to get people. But like I say, it doesn't really mean anything at the end of the day. So you're definitely right. It, it definitely has to feel authentic. And I think um, even like I mentioned earlier with the surveys, even noticing when it's becoming stale and just trying to think of something new is important because yeah. otherwise like, you're, doing, you're doing it by numbers and it's just not really sure. effective. I think the moment it starts appearing as a ritual, it yeah. loses value. Uh-huh. I think that's the key part. Yeah, what do you guys think you can build in that authenticity then? I think keeping it true to your your culture. So for example, in, in our case, one of the feedback we've had from people who joined us from other companies is they after about six months, they start talking about the the core culture of the company, how people you know sort of treat each other, how managers talk to employees, how projects are done. And it sometimes you know it, they may have come from companies where it's much more cutthroat. It is either you know deliver or leave kind of conversations, etc. And and you I you you try and get to a point where you can identify some of those and then build on that. That's I think what will keep it authentic. Uh, the the if you try and simply do the you know whether it's a potluck dinner or uh, you know uh, Fridays around a pool table, whatever it might be. If it's not something that is aligned with what people have experienced your company for for a prolonged period it won't work uh, i think it's as simple as that so you have to really and it might vary again team from team to team because in large companies you will have subcultures as well uh, you know different project teams might behave differently different territories countries might behave differently so again you have to uh, I, within tata technologies one of the things we try and uh, ensure as much as possible is there is a core which is global for the company. That core could be a core culture, core behavior, core expectations, whatever. But then there is some flexibility around that, which is based on either the line of business you belong to or the country or territory that you're in. And you bring in those nuances. You make sure an engagement event or engagement intervention in Sweden is going to be dramatically different from what I do in India. Uh, right? It's never going to be the same. The, the mindsets are different. The cultures are different. But can you make sure that there's a core theme that actually keeps it a Tata Technologies engagement event whichever country it's happening in i think that is where the authenticity uh, uh, starts uh, sort of standing out you you mentioned before that tata was in this period of growth and nonstop is also a growth company so i wondered what you guys thought about essentially scaling up engagement in a growth environment you know, growth is all about change right constant change uh, how do you think that we can um, monitor manage and improve engagement and through this periods of change um, well, yeah, one, yeah, one of the key reasons we um, yeah, used this portal and tech was really to help us with it because before it's not like we didn't do any um, engagement at all. I think like we were just such a small business that it happened very organically. It'd be, you know, people would go, I'm going for drinks after work or we're going to do this event at some point. I, I, I want some people that would be interested in this. And it just happened. It didn't need any uh, driving force to make people feel part of it. But I think engagement becomes more of a focus the slightly bigger the company gets and the more people that get involved because you know if, you, if it's 10 of you in a room um you don't really need a massive boy strategy uh, around it but um that's definitely helped us um uh, as we've grown just to help even like we said with the surveys collect data before it could happen just with managers talking to their teams doing feedback sessions and um we even did a similar kind of town hall kind of thing but obviously the bigger the company gets the more kind of unmanageable it gets um, and I'm sure actually Vishal to be a lot more expert in this about tech, obviously, and how it can help help you. Um, but, you know, from an amateur perspective, even f- from what we've done, uh, it's definitely helped a lot and manage it a lot more. Um, and as you are mentioning earlier, Vishal, it's definitely helped us notice 
trends between for us it's more different offices um like you mentioned so um the uh, the office we're in in prague it's mainly people in their 20s and 30s relocating across europe very young culture whereas in we've got a, a smaller office in london which is more our center of excellence more experienced people but also more senior with families and again what works in one doesn't work in the other mm-hmm. you know having a after work drinks in Prague works very well because it's all younger people doing mm. that when people have got to get home to the kids and they've got stuff to do in London, not work so well. So it's just mm. about finding that what, what works for that audience and what's going to engage them and keep them interested in what they do, really. No, I think in, in our context, uh, I think one is you don't get overawed by the conversation on size because I think the reality of engagement is it still happens at the micro level. Uh, like I said, it's with the managers, with the teams. So how do you make sure that there is enough information available to managers on what kind of tools they can use, what kind of interventions work? So, and again, that peer-to-peer learning in the context of managers is critical. I think that helps you scale because they're learning from each other. For me, uh, in the entire conversation of engagement, uh, I think the more HR is a facilitator, the better it is. If HR uh, is expected to be a player in the conversation, I think then scaling becomes a problem because it's dependent on HR being able to scale it up. I think if you make it a more organic conversation between managers uh, and uh, you know uh, the, the portal that you talked about, uh, we've got a similar thing internally, uh, an internal sort of Facebook kind of a thing, where again, it's you how you use that platform, who's posting what. And in a number of cases, it's not even as directly about engagement. It is just people demonstrating that they are engaged, if that makes sense. So, you know, and, and there will always be uh, uh, leaders in that space or early influencers in that space. So for us, for example, even though we are a company with 10,000 people, I could probably bring that la- list down to, I, I think, even 50, 60 people who are actually the people who post on that platform almost on a daily basis, right? And they're not posting frivolous stuff, but they're posting stuff about the business, what, you know, we are a services company working with a lot of automotive players, so we'll have people posting about, well, this is what's happening in the electric vehicle space. This is what's happening in battery management. They're sometimes technical posts, but it's the the thought and the commitment behind the post that people will recognize and see and, and connect with. Uh, and I think that is key, making sure that you've got the right set and the right kind of uh, influencers within your system uh, who are using whatever platforms you have available. If you've got a intranet kind of a, a setup, that's fine as well if you use um, if you don't have that and you use more formal mechanisms whether they're emails town halls how do you make sure that you get those kind of people to the front of the room virtually or uh, in person uh, to connect with people and to talk about what they're doing etc i think it, again it varies a bit depending on the company and the business they're in but if you are a technical company can you get your key technical people and especially the ones who are passionate about it in front of people talking about those things because you're uh, at the end of the day as an employee uh, again i i want to stay away from the event side of engagement it's all about what that engagement is resulting uh, in, in a person's behavior eventually in business results so for us that is key making sure that you you bring those people out give them a platform to talk about what they're doing um, if you can facilitate larger scale actions, whether it is, you know, hackathons or whether it is uh, events where people can come and talk about what they're doing. And of course, you've got the personal side of it or the non-work side of it, right? The photography clubs or the cooking clubs or whatever that might be. But all of it is uh, 
initiated, driven, managed by the employees rather than somebody from HR whose day job is to go there and make sure somebody's posting every single day. Uh, I think that's where the the conversation of scale uh, becomes a challenge. If it's dependent on a team to drive that scale, it's never going to happen. Uh, it has to be organic. Cool. Okay. So we've talked a lot about what has happened and what is happening. What about what's next? What's next for employee engagement, do you guys think? Oh, yeah, tough one. <laughs> I think more uh, robots, maybe more AI, maybe. Oh. I, I think there are two sides to it. Again, I think on the system side, yes, for sure. I think there will be more and more technology that will come into it, whether it's AI, whether it's machine learning, whether it's uh, real time engagement. You know, I, I guess it, there's no um, uh, there's no end to it, right? It depends on how crazy you want to go, right? You could you could visualize a situation where based on your Apple Watch and the fact that your heartbeat has gone up, the system will send you a couple of questions to say what's going on. You could go there as well, right? Uh, but I think this, the other side is um, what's changing on the employee front. I think especially with the pandemic, the fact that we've seen a lot more people working from home, uh, the challenges that have come with that, uh, with respect to engagement, I think have been massive. I think companies are still struggling with it. I don't think anybody's found a magic bullet to solve that. Uh, the fact that over a period of time, we are getting into a scenario where you're hiring folks who've never really seen the company. They might have visited your office once or twice, but especially if they're uh, uh, significant remote working, how do you build that connect with the team? Because a lot of what I spoke about was connection with the team, but how do you do that when you know maybe four out of the 10 sit in an office twice, thrice a week, but the rest of them are in various different locations. So how do you build that connect, I think, is a challenge. Uh, for different businesses, I think the entire space of freelancers and the gig economy, I think that, again, is another challenge because technically they're, they are not employees, so to say, but then they are delivering products, services, results for you. How do you engage them? Because they're connected with you either for very short periods or for varying timeframes during a week. I think that is where the challenges will keep moving. Uh, and I think companies will need to find uh, ways of connecting with with that kind of a employee base more and more. Um, uh, you know, I think the, the manufacturing companies will still have the luxury of having em employees next to them. Uh, but I think most other businesses are going to st uh, struggle uh, on that space. Yeah, I think um, yeah, yeah, definitely the, the role of tech makes a lot of sense, like you mentioned with AI. I think there's... A I think I don't know if I felt this. I, I don't know if you agree as well, but it's almost a bit of a watershed as well with um, people's view of engagement as well. Um, with um, what you were mentioning earlier about some of the, like, the standard perks and people's in, interpretation of it, I think um, even Google recently, like they've stopped a lot of the stuff they used to do. Like they used to do free lunches, and people were like piling up like massive steaks on uh, to take them home each day. And it's like again, is are they feeling engaged because of that? Um, I think as well with the great resignation or whatever they're calling it, it's a big evidence that people are really evaluating um, and looking at the value in the work they do as well. And it's not even about so much just about the company and its mission, but it's what you're even doing and its contribution yeah. to society. And I think it, a big challenge for people in marketing and communications will be about getting that message of what your company does across really uh, in terms of changing the world. And I think if you looked at some of these uh, companies like uh, WeWork and even that, the other one, I think, was it Theranos or whatever, uh, the, the companies where a lot of people um, really wanted to work there and really excited. It was because they did communicate really well 
um, if inauthentically probably, <laughs> that they wanted to change the world. And I think there's a bit of a hunger uh, right now for people that want to be in a business that doesn't just, do, you know, you do X job. It's actually, it's changing the world in some way. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, again, I don't know really what the answer is, but I, I think in the future, people will be, and companies would be more looking at how they can get that message or get that belief in their employees across. Again, I don't really know necessarily how they'd be able to do it, but um, I think that's going to be a, a big push. And like you mentioned as well, Vishwas, that authenticity is going to be massive. It's Do they actually believe that you, you believe in it or are they thinking it's all a metric and a measure and a way of you know getting it done? So I think, uh, again, I don't know what the actual answer would be, but I think that will be a big sort of battle or hill to cross in the future. Okay, in, any final points from either of you? Any final thoughts on employee engagement? I think yeah, we've covered uh, a lot of the key areas for me, really. It's really interesting to hear a lot of the stuff Fisher has said because obviously the goal of every, well, most small businesses is to become big ones. So it's, a, it's really interesting to hear actually some of the different approaches um, a large, large organization has, t- has taken. It's really cool to hear lots of different ideas as well that we didn't think of, like you said, about getting. Um, uh, the engagement tools just in time for when employees have them at certain points. I think that's really interesting. And um, I, again, I really say the stuff we've done in engagement is still in its infancy, really. I mean, it's only really been the last year and we're seeing a lot of interesting results from it. So we're definitely interested to see what um, the next challenge brings and uh, what we can learn from our employees about how we approach it as well, because I think obviously that's fundamental to it, really. It's what they can tell us about what we can do with the business. So um, yeah, it should be interesting. Any final thoughts from you, Vishwas? Uh, no, I think we've covered most things. I think for for me, uh, because we are talking about people at the end of the day, uh, I think engagement is a conversation that you know the the more people you can speak to, the better it is. Uh, so you know, how do you use your network uh, across different companies uh, to learn what different people are doing? Because there is, I think, there's always going to be an element of a good idea that you can take from somewhere and apply. Uh, that's going to be extremely important. I think if it's if it's a team sitting together trying to come up with everything by themselves, it's not going to happen. Uh, that's one. Uh, I think for us as a Tata group company, we've got a tremendous advantage because we belong to a group which has you know, a large number of companies in various industries with a very uh, strong culture of learning from each other. Uh, so we get the opportunity to hear what other Tata group companies are doing in the space. And there are really, really good ideas from a lot of them uh, around how they engage, how they connect with people, uh, even on elements like storytelling, for example, how do they use the concept of storytelling to build engagement, uh, etc. So for me, uh, the whole point of engagement is to get as many ideas on the table as you can from wherever you can. But then at the end of the day, making sure that what you run with is what works for you. Um, hear everyone, talk to everyone, see what's going on, but eventually sit down you know, almost like in a closed room and just make sure that what you're finally running with is what will work for your company, your people, uh, and and connects with what your company's vision mission might be. Excellent. That's a great, uh, great summary there. Thank you. So if there's nothing else, I just want to say thank you guys for joining us on the show. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Nonstop Talent Show. If you want to be sure to catch the next episode, follow us on LinkedIn, Spotify, and iTunes. If you have any questions about the discussion today, or if you'd like to get involved in a future episode, contact us via email at podcast at nonstopconsulting.com. If you'd like to hear more information about who we are and what we do, head over to www.nonstopconsulting.com.